welcome back to the Truth and Coaching Podcast. This is your host, Joshua Spencer. I'll be sitting behind the microphone solo today. Uh, Jordan, unfortunately, got a little bit of the crud that's been going around and needed to take a few days off. But uh, I'll be guiding you through uh, everything that we talk about today. Should be a good time. Of course, it is still pretty early in January 2024 which is very early in 2024. And uh, I really enjoyed the conversation that we had last week, where, of course, we brought in all the training staff and got a chance to kind of do a, uh, a New Year's prospective. So a lot of times, uh, especially well-established shows, we'll do a retrospective on the year. And uh, that would have been fun, but I think it would have been a little bit self-serving because there's so much context that hasn't been established. Um, on everything that happened, you know, in the gym and in our uh, training and coaching practices. Whereas with the, you know, the listeners, with you guys, there's not a lot of context that has been established. So looking forward made a lot more sense, Um, even though, you know, I think winter is a good time to be reflective and maybe to get that chance to look back. But it's all right. Um, I do have to uh, print a little bit of a correction. I believe last time I said uh, that prospective was a investing term, and I don't think that's correct. It should be investing prospectus. So that's you know what you would be looking forward to or what they say they're looking to do with your mutual fund or your stock or whatever. So yeah, prospective, maybe I coined that term, maybe I didn't, maybe somebody else is using it out there, but it was nice. Now, what I really liked about it was it was a relaxed opportunity to talk about things that make sense for our personal lives to develop as people, to develop as coaches. Quality people make quality coaches, um, similar to the extent that quality athletes make uh, well, it's an essential ingredient to being a quality coach or to being a, uh, a quality personal trainer. Um, you know, anybody that's in a role model position needs to have a certain level of credibility. You don't have to be the biggest, the fastest, the strongest. You don't even have to be the smartest person in the room, but you need some form of all of those ingredients in the building block. And I would throw on top of that uh, personal integrity and ability to connect with people and then a little bit of grit and determination to help somebody through the tough times that they're going to have to get through in order to achieve what they want to achieve. As promised, though, I think I owe you guys a discussion on actual goal setting and how to achieve what you want to achieve. There, there's a lot of stuff in the self-help, self-help world. There are a lot of, I'm not going to say uh, myths or fictions out there, but it just looks so rosy when you look at a, uh, at a book or a method and it's just like, hey, presto, you know, one, two, three, and you've got your goal. And we all know life doesn't work like that. And I know that a lot of you have been uh, bit and, you know, to use a phrase or um, disappointed by a diet or by a workout plan or by a person or a relationship or a career trajectory, a promotion that was maybe 
um, implied or even promised and you didn't get it. Um, but you know, that, that doesn't mean that goal setting doesn't work. In fact, my personal contention is that goal setting works a when you work and then B when you select the appropriate goals. There is a a particular formula that it sounds just complicated enough and just slick enough that I think a lot of people buy into it. And unfortunately, it's really simplified. Um, And that's the SMART goal. Uh, The SMART goal is something I'm not even sure how long it's been out there. You know, maybe if I was doing a little bit more diligent show prep, I could have done a, a history on the SMART goal. But you know what? I'm not here to actually espouse the SMART goal, so I don't feel the need to go too deep into it. Um, but SMART, right? It's an acronym. stands for Specific, Measurable, Achievable, Relevant, and Time-Bound. Now, those are some building blocks that make sense. But a lot of people are going to say, well, pick whatever you want and throw it into a SMART goal, and you ought to be able to achieve that, right? Uh, You know, my personal take on that is you're setting yourself up for disappointment if you're doing that. And a lot of that has to do with most people are not picking appropriate goals. They're setting goals that are outside of their ability to achieve to begin with. You know, a specific goal, I will absolutely agree with that. A measurable goal, I will agree with that as well. An achievable goal, that's where I'm going to take some big issues with it. Now, the relevant and the time-bound part of that acronym, there are some modifications that can make those a little bit better, make the goal just a, a little bit more prescient and really help you dig into it. But the achievable part, most people are actually not picking goals that are achievable. I'm not saying that you don't have potential. I'm not saying that you can't do great things. In fact, I think most people, even in to their 50s, 60s, and 70s, are not going to achieve their potential. But what is potential? All right. Uh, Potential, if we think back to high school or college, if you were um, in a physics class, We think of an object that's being high as having potential with relation to gravity and with relation to movement because it has the ability, given the right set of catalysts and the right circumstances, that object can move downwards, right? So something could happen, whereas something that's already laying all the way on the ground or at sea level has less potential because it's about as low as it's going to get, right? And if we're thinking of potential in that way, I think it helps things become a little bit more clear. You could think of when you start your life, you're sitting at the top of a cliff. You're as high as you're going to go. You have your whole life before you. And the closer you get to dying, yes, that's a little bit morbid, but... We have to face our own mortality or otherwise we don't live with enough intensity. As you get closer to dying, that's like your object that is your life is falling off of the cliff and getting down to the ground splat. 
uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a little bit, a little bit uh, gray and dark, but you know what? It's an accurate portrayal of potential. So let's think about maybe kind of a, a childish thought um, for some of you, but we'd like to believe in dreams, right? As people, we like to believe things are possible. And in America, a lot is possible. Um, but the, the B, you can be anything, I think has served us poorly as adults. I think it serves us well as children when you have all the potential in the world. But as you grow up and as you make choices and as you experience consequences and as you, uh, not even necessarily negatively, if you guys have seen that, uh, that key and peel sketch, the, uh, the outlandish consequences one. And, you know, he smokes a cigarette and then like some aliens kidnap him or something like that, you know, like, and he's given a talk in front of high schoolers, right? Uh, ridiculous consequences, right? But um, consequences can be positive too. You know, somebody who has chosen through uh, dedication and discipline to become a professional athlete might be passing up on opportunities to become a world-class scientist, right? So by choosing one thing, you are excluding other things. And that's difficult to grapple with when you have the mentality of you can do anything that you want to do. But think about a, a little boy. And this little boy wants to be an astronaut. And at five years old, he has all the potential in the world to be an astronaut. And it's, it's a very real possibility, honestly, for almost anybody in society. And uh, especially in America, right? But if you grow and you don't take advantage of certain educational opportunities and you don't apply yourself at certain times, and if you pass certain uh, kind of benchmarks, well, the possibility of being an astronaut is no longer as realistic. And the older you get and the more specialized you get, or the older you get and the more sedentary you get, the less that becomes a possibility. Think back to our little boy. How achievable is it though for that little boy to be an astronaut? It's not. It's not achievable at all. That goal is not within reach. That goal might still just be in the, the dream stage or the just the good idea stage. You know, I like to reference the good idea fairy a lot. And the good idea fairy is somebody that came into the room and whispered something that sounds good, but when you actually go to implement it, it's a terrible idea, right? So the good idea fairy, somebody will want to look out for. Now, look at this little boy who's been diligently studying, is ready to pass a physical, is psychologically sound, has gotten the correct education, maybe became a military pilot, maybe became a, a qualified scientist, whatever the program needs, now we're starting to talk that this individual is a good candidate to achieve that goal. Now that goal becomes more achievable. And 
our, uh, our hero and our example can now begin to apply the correct relevant steps to put some acceleration on this goal of becoming an astronaut. So potential and the ability to achieve are actually two different things. And I'm narrowly defining the ability to achieve. Bring this back to something that's a little more mundane, although really important, which is just our health and our fitness. Um, even, even something that is maybe seemingly as vain as your physique, right? Maybe you're uh, maybe you want to attract a good mate, right? And you need to look better, to feel confident, to get out there and do that. That's not wrong, right? The potential that you have to look better exists and it exists at every age. There's just less potential the older you get and the more that you take decisions in a direction that pull you out of that potential, now, somebody who's in their 60s, who's maybe had an injury, but has been a lifelong athlete and really takes care of their physique, getting back to where they want to be might be a very achievable goal. For somebody who's in their 20s and is uh, overweight, maybe approaching obese, getting that physique that they want is not achievable even though they have greater potential. So selecting the wrong goal at the wrong time can really set you up for failure. And that's a problem. You know, this is gonna have to be, there, there's a lot of art and some science involved in this. And I've spent a lot of time with this. I spent most of my adult life um, working with the art and science of goal setting and achieving things. Um, you know, from uh, just athletics in school and in college to uh, becoming a Marine officer and, and being a leader of Marines, which in itself requires you, whether you thought it was going to be or not, you know, it requires you to become something of a life coach. There are guys that are younger than you or less skilled than you or less talented or whatever, and really, really good guys. And there's guys that are way better than you, which require you to take a, uh, a humility pill, especially as a young lieutenant, right? You're, you're in a position of authority, which is really incredible, given that there are better performers who just chose to stay enlisted. And now all of a sudden you're their leader. So the humility to be uh, molded but then also recognizing that there's a lot of people that look up to you. Um, not everybody in the military is naturally athletic. Not everybody naturally gravitates towards healthy food. And so finding yourself instantly in a role model position for some people and being able to uh, energetically, passionately, and compassionately, but like firmly become a life coach and a standard bearer and things like that. I mean, that, that has molded my whole future. Then after I left active duty, actually getting into um, like more of the art and science and the, the motivational psychology of helping people specifically achieve athletic goals. But with that comes the necessity of developing my own professional goals, right? And starting a business. And when you do that, you know, the military has a plan for your life, right? And they've got a, a whole system and a structure and you have to show initiative within that. 
but there's a lot of structure that's there to help you. And that structure doesn't exist when you're a small business owner. There are coalitions, there are masterminds, there are uh, relationships that you can foster and take advantage of, but you kind of have to figure it out on your own. So for the last, oh my goodness, it's 2024. So for the last 14 years, that's been my life. Athletics, motivational psychology, uh, discipline and goal setting personally, and then helping others with discipline and goal setting so they can achieve what they want with their athletics and physique and performance and confidence. And in many cases, uh, that bleeds over into, um, <laughs> that bleeds over into their professional life and into just life coaching as well. So, you know, while I am on paper, a, strength and conditioning coach, a personal trainer, a business owner, and still serving in the reserves um, as a leader of Marines. I am uh, de facto like a life coach to a lot of these folks. Um, and that's just by virtue of what I do. So there's a lot that's going to go into this conversation and we're going to see if we can get to a reasonable stopping point today. This will probably be a three-parter. But I want to apply a technique that makes a lot of sense first. And we've already been doing it, uh, maybe subtly, but this is called problem framing. And problem framing is just trying to get a grasp on what's going on and what you're up against before you even uh, try to apply a solution. Because a lot of people, if they're just going to go after that SMART goal, hey, this is the year I'm going to lose 20 pounds. This is the year I'm going to lose 80 pounds. You know, this is the year that I'm going to get biceps, or this is the year that um, I'm going to be confident and attractive, or this is the year that I'm going to, you know, make the team or whatever. Um, you might be deluding yourself. Let's look at the problem first. Now, if you're listening this far, you could probably uh, group yourself into one of three groups. And we're going to call this, um, let's call it just really broadly, like personal development, uh, goal setting, you know, life skills, right? You might be a highly skilled leader. Now, if you're the highly skilled leader, recognize this, your potential to do some things is automatically diminished by virtue of the skills you've developed. However, your potential in the uh, aligned and harmonious direction that you've already cultivated is probably higher than others, and your ability to achieve that is going to be higher than others. You might be a successful business leader, um, small business owner, successful. You might, um, you know, be a skilled athlete already. You might have a good physique, be great at nutrition, etc. You know, have a, a very good and harmonious family life, whatever. If you're highly skilled at something, and I encourage you to look for bright spots, you might know who you are. And we're probably talking in civilian terms, we're talking like a, like a C-level individual or maybe like a highly talented operational manager. Um, you know, fill in your own field there. Uh, now, the next audience would be maybe you're a journeyman, right? Like 
you've been exposed to material like this before. Um, you know, you've maybe been in the personal development game for a while. You may have had some good results. And the, the difficulty here is you're going to be more likely to tune these kind of discussions out. Be careful about what you tune out because if you can assess what you know versus what you're actually applying, that's the secret of good coaching. Now, maybe I'm not the guy that connects with you, although I can't imagine I'm not connecting with you, uh, you know, 11 podcasts in and uh, 20 minutes and 40 seconds into this one, right? So um, if, if I'm connecting with you, good. That means there's some coaching potential here. Look for what you can apply. Application points, even if you already know the material, really important. I heard um, a speaker that I respect a lot talk about this as turning up the radio when your favorite song comes on, even though you've heard it before, right? Now, you might be brand new, okay? That's the third population here. Uh, you might have never heard anything like this before. You might not be exposed to these things, although it's kind of surprising if you've never been exposed to any sort of goal-setting curriculum because it's ubiquitous, but that actually makes your population really special because you're not going to fall as easily victim to the, uh, to the fast food mentality of set some quick goals, uh, you know, look to get rich fast, uh, look to lose a bunch of body fat fast, and then end up with something that's not sustainable or just fail from the very beginning outright, which would be a disaster for you, right? That wouldn't help your development. Um, so yeah, if you're brand new, get into the game and start applying these techniques right away. There's no time like the present. As time runs out, your time potential dramatically reduces. So we want to take advantage of as much potential as you have. Continuing with problem framing, I'm going to define the, the key skill or the key, you know, X factor here. Um, maybe X factor isn't the right idea. Like, you know, heart could be X factor. We'll talk about that in a minute. You know, like you, you have the it, whatever. It's kind of hard to define. However, capacity, I think, can have a definition. And it's going to be one of the key ingredients to getting anything done in your whole life ever. Capacity is the ability to sustain stable physical and mental performance across roles, responsibilities, projects, and activities. All right, your ability to actually continue to do the right thing over and over and over again in alignment with your goals is capacity. Without capacity, you will not achieve your goal, which goes back to setting an appropriate goal. If you've selected an inappropriate goal that's uh, not aligned with your level of capacity, you've automatically set yourself up to fail. So understanding that definition is central to the whole theory of how this works. Um, there are some other uh, attributes that we need to discuss. There, there is grit and, and things like trying hard. And those are a little bit hard to define. You know, it's irreplaceable. And it, it can more be caught than it can be taught. Some kids, you know, when you see them 
playing whatever sport or practicing or just playing in the yard, they've got this kind of fearlessness to them. And if they, you know, bonk into something, they get back up and get going. And I'm not saying that, you know, a kid that gets hurt and is crying, I'm not getting down on them at all. But you you've run into some people that just have some sort of heart and some sort of uh, ability to take it. The uh, the really good Angelina Jolie produced movie um, is it Unbroken? The one about the uh, the real story about the American aviator that got shot down in the Pacific. And this guy had uh, performed highly well in the Berlin Olympics um, as a runner. He was a miler. And the slogan that they keep going over in that movie, if you can take it, you can make it, right? There's just some level of being able to do that. Again, can be caught, not necessarily taught. So being around other people that are demonstrating grit, that's one of the reasons why I think small group sessions are so effective is it gives you the opportunity to catch something like that. However, those kind of indefinable attributes, you can still wear down, right? And it doesn't matter how much of a natural uh, attribute you have. If you're not harnessing it and, and leveraging it intelligently, um, it's not going to serve you well on certain things, we call it the superhero workout, right? Or like, don't be a hero. So people that are starting a fitness journey will frequently, and especially around this time of year, get that membership, have a laundry list of things they think they want to work on, and maybe they're not skilled or uh, experienced in training. They go to the gym and they hit everything that they think they need to do, and then they see somebody else in there doing an exercise that they didn't think of. And maybe this person has big muscles or maybe they look cool or whatever. Um, or maybe it just is like, oh, I forgot that, right? And they try to replicate that. And before you know it, you've either uh, kind of in a big box sense done all of these exercises without any context. And what happens the next day? You're completely sore and you can't move. And you don't have a long-standing root in yourself of training and so you wear out. It doesn't matter how much grit you have. You're untrained. You can't harness it, right? Um, other people in, in kind of my space, the functional fitness world, they want these uh, circuits and they want these things that kind of light their brain up. And we talked about it a couple of podcasts ago, you know, fitness entertainment. That's a, a consumer mentality that's not healthy. And you want all this stuff that you think is going to look good because somebody did it or you saw some athlete do it or somebody on Instagram. And so you go for this hard, hard, hard thing and you have finishers and different circuits and, and you're just slammed the next day. Maybe you're not sore in the same way, but there's a mental fog, right? And are you going to sustain that performance long enough to change your body? Probably not, right? So these things have to be paired with skill. Your intangible attributes have to meet skill. This is the nature versus nurture argument, right? Skill adds dimension. It makes you more effective. It makes you more efficient. Uh, frankly, it guards you against injury. You could probably apply that to any given field. Uh, skill is transmissible through lessons, through practice, through coaching. 
skill is what we call a force multiplier, right? So now we have a way to, to focus the lens of your ability to work hard. Really what we're dealing with in this problem framing is human nature. And I'm going to use a, a term here. It's kind of an in vogue term in the military. Uh, call it a wicked problem. Wicked meaning twisted, right? The word wicked comes from wicker, sort of, if I've got my uh, etymology right. But wicker furniture is twisted, right? And the same root word. Um, and, and you twist it to make it structural to hold things. But if we talk about human nature being the wicked problem, like how do you solve it? There's so many ins and outs and turns and twists in your own personality, let alone trying to work together on a team, let alone when somebody decides they're going to be your rival or be your enemy, right? You know, do we have the ability to change? You know, can, can you uh, influence the course of your life? Is that even a thing? Um, I think it is. Willpower, though, is a finite resource. You're going to run out of it. Willpower is very similar to muscle power. And uh, once you run out of muscle power and you fatigue, you're not going to get much further in your workout. Similarly, willpower can fatigue on a daily basis. It can fatigue... Um, it can run on, run low in a weekly basis. And then on top of that, just, you know, can you change willpower doesn't last forever, although it can be strengthened just like a muscle, but, uh, there's self-sabotage and people are crazy, man. Like people do all sorts of ridiculous things. Um, but if you're dealing not only with like the rest of the world, but sabotaging yourself, that's tough. That's human nature stuff. Not that human nature doesn't have a play in external pressures and multiple obligations, but those are almost a different category, right? External pressures and multiple obligations. Some of these are, we would even call like on your side, like they're, they're your friendly pressures, things that help you. Um, hopefully family is a friendly pressure. There is you know, human contact is absolutely necessary to live a healthy life versus isolation. But human contact brings pressure. Your job brings pressure, pressure to perform. But if you're not having a, a good job or a successful career, uh, you're not getting paid. If you're not getting paid, you're not eating well, you're not living well, and then you have financial pressure. Um, you know, finances, that's another one, right? Finances can bring a good, a healthy stress or a unhealthy stress. And that's pushing in on you. And, and that goes along with activities, which includes exercise, all right? You, you have to eat to live. You don't have to exercise to live, although you'll live better and longer if you do. But you have to eat, right? But there's other leisure activities. Um, you know, what kind of entertainment? What kind of uh, sport or things do you do? How healthy are they? How much does it give back to you? And how much does it demand from you? How mentally engaging is it? And does that stimulate you or does it wear you down? 
all things can be on a spectrum of that, but these are external pressures. Um, and then there's just regular uncertainty uh, and other pressures. Well, well, it's not just uncertainty. That's, that's a subset, but we're going to call it external threats. So you have multiple obligations, which generally, if we're looking at the world through a healthy lens, are on the friendly side of things. You have finances, activities, and leisures that may or may not be friendly, right? And then you have actual threats, which can be cultural stress, can be poverty cycles, can be uh, your next door neighbors, whether they are bringing stress upon your life or not. Uh, these things include things like fear, war, the economy. Um, that can be an external threat on you. Another external threat, and this one, you have a little more influence over how you respond to it, is digiphrenia. Digiphrenia is bad. It means digitally induced mental chaos. It is a marketing arms race that is measuring itself in its ability to capture, kidnap, and fragment your personal attention span. Um, it is... A, uh, a producer of shallow thought. It is a producer of distraction. And it is a, uh, oftentimes this space is populated by actual bad actors. I don't mean like uh, Ryan Reynolds. I mean uh, like people that on purpose know that their advertising is bad for you and they don't care because they're doing it for profit or they're doing it for their agenda, right? And they access you through television, through billboards, but that's all old school, right? It's through your phone mostly these days. It's not even through your laptop. It's through your phone. Get that. Isn't that crazy, right? And that has become an appendage, a virtual appendage of human anatomy that has access to your mind, it's disturbing, all right, to say the least. But remember, we're problem framing. We're trying to get a look at what the landscape is so that we can take intelligent action. Uh, you know, going off half-cocked, even if you go off strongly half-cocked in the wrong direction, not going to get you the result you want long-term because it'll be outside of your capacity and your ability to deal with it. So you have these multiple obligations, the neutral pressures, that may or may not swing allied versus threat. And then you've got definite threats. And the toll on you internally is focus begins to evaporate and stress begins to internalize. So all these pressures lead to stress and focus lost. The master skill of the 21st century you can use this in your career. You can use this for that big, ridiculous, audacious goal that you've got to become an astronaut. Um, if you still have the remaining potential to do so. You can use this on your body and changing the way that you perceive yourself and how you actually present yourself to the world and your actual body composition and your stamina and your muscle level and everything. The master skill is learning to control your attention and stay focused on what's really 
important to you. Not just what feels good at the time, but what's really important to you. Uh, now, this is a quote from Darren Hardy, uh, editor of Success Magazine and a, a really good business thinker. Um, I appreciate a lot of his work. I'm going to brand this analog skills for the digital age. Okay, there's a lot of good human learning and processes and wisdom that have taken place over the last several thousand years that are now being very rapidly undermined by technology. So going back and falling back on some of these analog skills can be a dramatic win for your ability to navigate the near future and maybe even the mid future. Problem framing. Remember, we're problem framing. We're going to look a little bit later at this concept of building capacity because capacity is your personal engine. It's your building blocks that you have to do things. Part of that is time. Time makes up your capacity. Your attention span makes up your capacity, your, uh, which is ability to focus, right? And your physical attributes make up your capacity. There's a reason why Marines have to be fit. It's because when you get into the stressful environment in an operational sense, whether that's direct combat operations or evacuating civilians after a natural disaster or, you know, going in wherever the nation needs us worldwide. If you're not fit, you'll make worse decisions. You'll be less effective. So the same thing in your regular life, you have lower body fat. If you have higher stamina and more muscle, you are going to be more resilient and your capacity will be higher. Time, focus, and physical attributes as well as some of those undefined attributes, some of that heart stuff, that stuff that can be caught, not taught, those are your building blocks. We'll have to be able to apply this strategically, all right, which is your whole life. That's a whole nother set of discussions about life planning and your identity and your purpose and your mindset. Um, but we're gonna, in the near future, like the next few broadcasts, podcasts, uh, we're going to dig more into the operational and tactical side of things. Operational being putting together a campaign plan. What can you get done in a year or two or three, right? What's, what's reasonable? How do we break that down into quarterly steps? And then the tactical level. How do you make decisions on a daily and weekly basis? What are some techniques, some tactics, and even some procedures that will help you make those better decisions? And uh, that will include selecting appropriate goals. I think that's it uh, for today, guys. I've talked your ear off quite a bit. Speech of the week is deliberate practice. Part of taking control of your destiny is getting better at what you do. Getting to your workout is the first half of the battle, but working out well is the second half of the battle. Not every workout is going to be this glorious strength to strength. You did everything really well. However, wasting that workout time on poor movement and not improving how you move makes no sense. So number one, you have to make the time and view 
that gym time spent as deliberate practice on getting better. Number two, you need to know what needs practice versus what needs effort. Sometimes you just don't have the skill to make progress and that's okay, but you need some drills that will help you improve that. For example, in your squats. Sometimes though, you just need to dig in and frankly, digging in and working harder uh, is a skill unto itself. But if you find yourself shriveling up and trying to hide when some cardio comes up and trying to avoid the pain, that's the place that needs improvement. You need to work on it until you've pushed that hiding point back. You'll have more stamina, you'll have more capacity. Be mentally engaged and present during your exercise time. You have to find the on switch. Decline to phone your workout in. Live in the present and improve your mind-body connection. On purpose, engage the target muscles. It's not automatic, believe it or not, and learn to recruit what is supposed to get the lift done instead of just forcing the weight to move in space. The brain is really good at deceiving you that your movement is good if the correct muscles are not engaged. So practice deliberately, focus well on what you're working on, and even if it doesn't feel good now, I promise you, you will get better at it. As they say, practice makes permanent, and we need permanent change if we're gonna hit our goals. All right, good talk, everyone. Uh, good job this week as well. I know you're out there working hard. Uh, if you're not, get in touch with me, all right? We can do something about that. All right, take care. We'll talk to you next week, out here.